This is Life of an Architect, a podcast dedicated to all things architecture with a little bit of life thrown in for balance. Depending on your age, sooner or later you will end up at one convention or another. For some people, this is a yearly migration full of can't-miss opportunities. For others, it's three days of questionable decisions and most likely a lot of fun. Welcome to episode 104, Conventions, the best and worst of times. Today's episode is generously brought to you with support from Peterson, maker of pack-clad architectural metal cladding. Welcome to the Life of an Architect podcast. I'm Bob Borson. And I'm Andrew Hawkins. And today, Andrew and I are going to be talking about conventions, the good, the bad, and maybe the crazy. You know, I have stories that will stick with me for a lifetime that have occurred at conventions. And shockingly, you're with me on every single one of those stories. <laughs> that seems scary. I know. I didn't realize that, to be quite honest. I mean, I've gotten in some... Well, that's already painting the wrong kind of picture. <laughs> there's, <laughs> Look, there's shenanigans that takes place. But... Sure. You know... Atlanta was a high water or low water mark. Mm, yeah. You know, and that's a story that I'm certainly not recording it. Yes, for sure. But you're right. Yes. There's a bunch from that one. Well, actually, I yeah. will share some details on something that happened in Atlanta later. I put it in my notes. So I have photos in my phone that I stumble across from time to time, and they crack me up when I find them. Mm, yeah. Like they're photo gold, but I can't really do stuff with a lot of them. Yeah. Like there's a store that people look at and go, check this out. And they're like, I don't, what am I looking at here? And I go, well, this person, and then that did that. And then this person walked around. They didn't see that person over there. And then, you know, there's a lot of that that kind of goes on. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, I'll just tell one of my Atlanta stories now without getting into the dirty details. But there were like five of us, and we're in a sky bar having drinks. Mm -hmm. There were a few notable architects sitting there. Yes. One of the... People sitting with us in this group of five is a very intimate setting. Was an AIA gold medal winner. Yeah. So this was this is legit, legit high powered dude. Mm -hmm. I had an app on my phone. Do you remember this? Yeah. It was the guess my age. Yeah, predicted your age or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so I don't know why we were talking about it. It was not a very intellectual moment in our evening together. No, it was not. And I told him about it, and he was completely fascinated by this. So he, like, snatches my phone out of my hands. He's like, I'm going to do it. And he put it on his face. And I want to say Atlanta was, like, 2015 or something like that, wasn't it? 2015 was Atlanta, yeah. Yeah, 2015 was Atlanta. So this is seven years ago. So he would have been 58 years old. Look, I'm given so many clues. Yeah, I know. It's like done. So, so, so this person was in their 50s and he takes the picture of himself and submits it and it like, you know, doo -doo 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 -doo, calculating. And it said he was like 83 years old and he was so <laughs> mad. Yeah. <laughs> Remember? So then he's like, the lighting's not right. And so he turned on the couch and he like brushed his hair a little bit. I can't remember if he took his glasses off or put them on. He did it and it made him even older. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, and I like, wasn't smiling, or maybe I shouldn't smile. It was like I mean, four or five times. And oh, it was, it was always so much. Like, and it was making him like 30 years older than he was. <laughs> the rest of us were dying laughing. Yes. Yeah. I'm not sure that probably doesn't love that. That was not a fun 10 minutes for him. <laughs> <laughs> 
But they can get over it, right? I mean, well, let's admit it. He probably doesn't even remember that it happened. That's probably true. And he's yes. good. He's had definitely had better moments in his life since then. So we don't have to worry about it, you know? Yeah. So Andrew and I were just in Chicago for the 2022 AIA National Conference on Architecture, which is kind of true and kind of not true. We didn't actually go to the conference on architecture. Yeah. We were in the building. <laughs> we were in the building and we went to the expo. Yes. Which, for those of you who don't know, it's in the convention hall. There's 100, 200. I don't, I didn't count, obviously. There's hundreds of vendors and suppliers that are there. And if you want to learn about their windows or their handrails or these plumbing fixtures or this vapor barrier or this new ICF system and everything, it's there. Yeah. All kinds of new stuff. Materials, products, yeah. Yeah. Software, you name it, all kinds of stuff. And it's anything from a little 10 by 10 booth to like a 50 by 50 foot monster thing where there's full on garage doors set up and all this kind of, you know, whatever it is, all kinds of stuff. Yeah. And you know what? I will tell you that, and we have this section later about how the convention experience has changed for you, but the expo is one of my favorite places to be and also one of my least favorite places to be. <laughs> yeah. It's hot or cold and it flips wildly from moment to moment. Yeah. I mean, even within the time that you're inside, it flips. Oh, yeah. It's not year to year. This is like yeah, no. from 12.05 yeah. to 12.11, it was great. And then from 12.12 yes. 12 to 12.17, it was terrible. Yeah. So we'll get to that in a minute. Let's start off with the first topic we should kick off a show on conventions with is, when did you start going to conventions? What was the thing that got you to finally become a convention goer? Actually, the first convention I ever went to was in 2007. So that was me, I don't know, seven years out of school, I guess, somewhere around there. Mm -hmm. And I went to the national convention because it was in San Antonio. The AIA National Conference, well, at that time it was a convention, but it was in San Antonio. And I'm trying to remember, I think it was just because it was close. Yeah. And I wanted to go to a national convention, although I think it was that Al Gore was going to be speaking. That was a, another big draw for me, but also because it was close. Because I mean, I'm like two and a half hours from San Antonio. And so I was like, yeah, I want to go check it out. And it was the national convention. It seemed like a big deal to me. Yeah. So that was the first one that I went to. You know, I actually don't remember the first one I went to. I've been to a lot. And it probably started somewhere around the same time yours did. For the first, man, I don't know. I'll say 10 to 12 years out of college. I didn't go to a convention. I didn't go to a show. I didn't go to an expo. I didn't go to a conference. Because the thing is, is like the question is, when did you start going? Maybe it's like, how did you manage to go? Because <laughs> yeah. it's really through the grace of my employers at the time. And the first couple that I went to, we either didn't have the money, we didn't have the time, we didn't have the resources or whatever it was. And so if I wanted to go, it was on my dime and I'm taking vacation time to pull it off. Mm -hmm. And that's not going to happen when you make three wooden nickels a month. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's not going to happen. Yeah. I mean- I don't want to sound bad, but especially back then, I think it's a little more probable now. Not that it's easy if you're young. I still think it's hard and a lot of firms don't provide that, but I also think there are plenty of firms that do give you that time and want you to go do that kind of stuff. You just have to find the right place. But yeah, I think I didn't own the business then, so I just had to go on my own and <laughs> trek over there and take the time. So that's why it was close. Well, that's why it being close made all the difference for you. Yeah, it was totally affordable because it was like gas. <laughs> Yeah. I know that I went to that convention too, and I went to it because it was in San Antonio. Yeah. That's a five-hour drive for me, which, I mean, I live in Texas. Five hours is kind of what it is. Yeah. And I'm not even sure. I don't recall. I may have just gone for the day because it may have been just a 
drive over, do the thing, and drive back. I might not have even stayed the night, but I don't recall exactly because it was so long ago. And, you know, I've been to a few conventions since then. But the next one I went to was in 2011 in New Orleans. And then I haven't missed one since, except for one, New York. I didn't go to New York, but I haven't missed any since then. Didn't you and I meet in 2010? But that was a TXA. It's still a convention, right? Yeah. No, I just mean I haven't missed a national convention since 2011. No. I've missed a couple. Yeah. So I started going really like with regularity when I started the Life of an Architect website. Mm-hmm. And, and it was cool. I mean, it kind of changed my perspective. And actually having that website is fundamentally what's impacted my positive and negative kind of experiences as I've evolved over the last 12 years going to conventions. That's a big driver of what makes them great or what makes them terrible at times. But let me ask you this, because we've already talked about national AI conventions, which are now called conferences. They changed that like a couple of years ago. Yeah. And there's the state AIA conventions for AIA. The state component level does it. And you know what? We're lucky because as one of the big states, our state convention's pretty good. Yeah, which is now a conference as well. But yes, yeah, it's one of the big ones because not every state component even has them. Some of them do regional conferences and, and other things. But because we're a bigger state and I guess maybe even an active state, yeah, we have a, our own state convention, which is, like, like you say, it's pretty good, pretty big considering. Yeah. And I was kind of looking at, they're almost all because of the website that kind of got me in a lot of the doors. Like I went to a, mm. I went to an Autodesk one. I've been to the Cedia Expo, which mm -hmm. is C-E-D-I-A, which for those of you that don't know, that stands for Custom Electronics Design and Installation Association. That was out in San Diego. Yeah. And that was really interesting because there was a weird, real eclectic mix of people there because it's people that specify and install this stuff. So there's people like me, because we specified, I feel like it's good for me to know what's out there, even though it changes every 14 seconds. <laughs> yeah. And then you got installers, but you have like really small installers, and then you have massive installers. Mm -hmm. They roll through the floor a lot differently. And the one of the years I went, one of the installers was walking Troy Aikman, the quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys, through the show, showing him like, we could buy this, we could get this, we could do that, this what could go on your wall. Because it's all like bleeding edge electronics. Yeah. Yeah. You and I have been going to the KBiz, the Kitchen, Bath, and Industry Show for the last couple of years. And it's partnered with the National Association of Home Builder Shows. Yeah. That one's really been interesting because if there's any continuing education, I don't know where it is. Yeah. I don't, I don't even know if they have it. Yeah. I'm sure they have some, but. Yeah. You go for the expo. It is just. And they only have it in two cities. It's either in Vegas and Orlando because they're the only two conventions that are big enough to handle it. And it is. Yeah, the locations. It's massive. It's ridiculous. And the thing that kills me a little bit about it, it's one of the first shows I went to that made me feel completely and utterly irrelevant <laughs> as a needle mover, as an architect in the building industry. Yeah, I would just say it made me feel completely inept as far as the things I knew about building products because it's just like. Oh, I didn't know this was there. I didn't know they made this. It's so ridiculous. Because before we started going to that, I'd been to multiple, multiple AIA national conventions and that expo. And I thought that that was really big. And that like fits in the pocket of KBiz pants because KBiz and... Yes. It, I mean, it's, it's unfathomable how big it is. If you've never been, but you've been to AIA, think about AIA times, I don't know, 100. It's insane how much product there is. 
in addition to the fact there's so much more product there for you to look at, the presence by the different companies is different. Mm -hmm. And the one that I always think of, I'm not, I'm not going to give them a free shout out here. Because <laughs> who knows? <laughs> maybe they're like, what, jerk? Yeah. There's the one very prominent, very well-known plumbing line. Uh-huh. Yeah. And if you go to the AIA show, they'll have a booth. It might be a 10 by 20 booth. It's not the smallest booth, but it's nowhere near the biggest booth. It's whatever. Yeah. If you go to the KBiz show, it's like 200 feet by 200 feet. Yeah, it is ridiculous. It's massive. Mm -hmm. And if we look at the national attendance for the AIA, you know, they might get anywhere between 18 and 20, low 20 25, yeah. Yeah, 1,000 people to the show. The KBiz and AHB show gets like 100,000, 125,000. Yeah. It's yeah, humongous. It's yeah. There are people bringing products from China to that show, right? Oh, yeah. We know that. <laughs> yeah. And do you remember, you can go, and people do this. We actually know a couple guys that do that. These people that come from like really, really far away, they would rather sell you the stuff that they've put on display in their booth than have to pack it back up and ship it back to home base. Yeah. So when the expo floor opens up, there are people that literally go sprinting in to start negotiating buying floor models so that when the show ends, they go and collect it. Yeah. And haul it out through the middle of the night into the back of their truck and get yelled at by yes. security guards. Yes. I, I've uh, just heard. I've, I've heard. I, yeah. <laughs> I heard it in person as they were yelling at us from, for doing it. Yes, I know. <laughs> I will say, I'm not going to call those guys out either, but we're literally hanging out and he goes, hey, you got a couple minutes? We're like, yeah, sure. What do you need? He goes. Can you help me move a tub? I was like, what are you talking about? Yeah. You guys just got to move a tub. Next thing you know, me and, and one guy are carrying this giant <laughs> acrylic tub like a mile through the convention hall to get it outside where his buddy drove his pickup truck like on the sidewalk and up on the curb. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was like, what is happening? <laughs> I love that they grabbed you to go do that. And I went to pick up. Some stools and a lamp or something, right? Yeah. So I'm carrying this little lightweight stuff, and I see you coming. I'm already back at the truck waiting, and I see you coming on this giant jacuzzi tub. Yeah, this thing weighed like 400 <laughs> pounds, and there's two of us carrying it. And I'm wearing like a coat. Like I have a, yeah. a blazer on. It was the worst. Those guys, <laughs> they owe me forever for the rest of my life. Every time I see them, I'm like, you still owe me for that. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, another show that I went to back in 2011. I don't know any architects that have been to the show. I know a handful of interior designers, but it was in London. It was the Tent London Design Fair. Mm. And I got to tell you, it was really cool. It was more like a, an experience. It wasn't in a single building. It was like in every building. And it lasts a month. Mm. So every day there's something going on somewhere. And the stuff they put on display is really, it's art, it's fabric, it's lighting it's furniture it's cloth it's i mean it goes on and on and on and on and on it was intense and it was a lot of fun intense not in tense even though it's called 10th london in case somebody was just not understanding what i was saying oh it wasn't in like beer tents like no it wasn't like that but there's also a lot of specialty conferences that are out there like i know that andrew's got some and we kind of talked about them before the show but like Noma has a conference, the National Association of Minority Architects. They have one in Nashville that's taking place later this year. In October? Yeah. The National Institute of Building Sciences, the Building Innovation Show is taking place in Washington, D.C. 
SketchUp Basecamp, which I've done that one before as well. It was really cool. That's actually going to be in Vancouver, BC in September. Mm-hmm. If you use SketchUp, you should go to that because it's amazing. Yeah, I was talking to them when we were at convention. They gave me the whole lowdown. Actually, they gave me a bunch of discount codes. So I'm ready to go to that one <laughs> if I can squeeze it in. As I love Vancouver. Yeah. I was actually in Vancouver to present for IIDX before. That's another convention I've been to in Canada a couple of times for presentations. But yeah. anyway. I presented at SketchUp Basecamp one time. Yeah, you did. You did. And then there's, of course, there's like the Green Build, which is another big one that a lot of people go to. It's in November, San Francisco. American Association of Landscape Architects. It's also in – there's a lot of them in San Francisco. I mean, it's a yeah, and Green Build. Green Build is one where they, they have a lot of local ones as well. I know. Yeah, they're all over the place. Look, let's be honest. There's literally a million of these things. At any month, in almost any place, you can find one of these to go to. So the biggies, the ones that I go to the most, are always the AIA ones. Mm-hmm. I typically try not to miss those. But then there's, they'll be in cities that I'm not that crazy about. Like, I wasn't crazy about going to Miami. Oh, I mean, I've been to Miami. Yeah. Miami's fun, but I go... I was not jazzed about going to Miami. Yeah. I wasn't crazy about going to Las Vegas for a convention on architecture. Yeah. We went to Las Vegas, but we didn't really do convention that much there. That was another working one where we didn't do a whole lot. I think we did a lot of work, recorded a lot of episodes and that kind of stuff. But Well, when we were there, it was Expo. It was KBIS. Yeah. And it was huge. Here's the reason why sometimes when you choose these to go or to not go, it has to do with the actual city that it's in, Mm. right? It's not just like going into a building and you never leave the building. That's what those expos are for. And that's what it is. And you go out and eat at night at restaurants at night. But all those AIA conventions or conferences, I guess we should just start calling them now. Yes, conferences. I typically go on tours the most. That's what I want the most. Yeah. And so cities like Philadelphia and Chicago and the New York one and I mean- those are the ones that I want to go to because there's cool places all over the place. And they tend to let you in places you can't normally get to by yourself. That's the one thing that's really great about the national conventions is the city and then being able to get all these behind-the-scenes tours. So we rattled off all these conventions, but we should ask the question, why did you start going to conventions? Like, what was the draw? For me in the beginning, it actually was CEUs because... I've gone pretty consistently to two or three conventions a year, at least, since about 2010, like you mentioned earlier, kind of when we mm-hmm. met and stuff. But mm-hmm. in the beginning, it was a lot of just getting my CEUs. And then after that, a lot of it was I go to conventions to present, probably from, I don't know, 2012 to 2019 even. I was presenting at most conventions I was going to, and that was two or three times a year. I mean, nothing like you, where it was 12 times a year, but I was doing presentations at them. And then... Now I just go to see old friends and stuff like that. And then if it's an AIA one, it's so I can go to building tours or project tours or those kind of things to get all the behind the scenes goodies that you don't get by just walking in yourself off the street. Right. You know, when they set those tours up, you get to go behind and see all the stuff that not every normal person gets to see, which I like. I like that. It makes me feel special. <laughs> well, okay. So let's go back to the beginning since we kind of ran through all of them real quick. So. CEUs, a lot of times people have to get CEUs as part of their licensing requirement. And there's different state requirements, and then there's different AIA requirements. And what I think is interesting is I have no problems getting all the CEUs I need in my office. We're big enough to where every week we have people coming in and giving lunch and learns. Well, now, yeah. Yeah. There's, well, back then. Oh. Any big firm had that. I didn't have that. I worked for a small firm. 
So small firms, nobody's going to come give a lunch and learn and give you a CEU if you have four people that might be attending. It's not worth their time most of the time. So like you said, I went in the beginning to get CEUs because that was really the only place I was going to be able to get my continuing education units was at these conferences and conventions. That's not necessarily true anymore, but kind of the evolution that I've gone through is once I've moved past CEUs, it really becomes about tours. I book all the tours I want to go on. And if I have like a hole or a gap or whatever, I might plug in a classroom type of event that's taking place because they do. Those tours that they put on are great. And like you said, you get in places that normally you could never get in by yourself. Mm -hmm. And so I think those are great. And then- Especially I think if you're big into residential, because you get into houses that, I mean, they're never open to the public. It's just because somehow somebody- mm -hmm. Know somebody that knows somebody that you to get in this house. And it's just for this tour. And it's not like it's one that's open every day of the week. You and the other 40 people or whatever, they get to see it. And that's it. And there's that mad scramble to get a spot. Yeah. Because they only open up one bus yeah. of people. So they're like, first 40 people get to go see Mother's House by Robert Venturi. And that's it. It's done. And that's it. It's done. Yeah. You know, somehow they managed to finagle like a one hour window. And that's it. That's all they got. And then you can't ever go back. And I've been on a lot of those, which I think is really nice. And even though I'm not a residential architect, I love going to those things. Yeah. Those are awesome. You know, but then as I've continued to age, I spend more and more time on the expo floor looking at products and talking to folks. And again, like I am kind of alluded to earlier, because of the life of an architect presence, I end up meeting with people now. They want to set up appointments to talk about collaborations or will you come and do this or will you come and do that? And it makes the experience interesting, but it doesn't always make it fun, especially like when the blog site was at its heyday, which it's not in its heyday now. You know, people want TikToks more than they want blog posts, but, <laughs> but like 2016, 2017, probably that when it was at its, its critical mass at these shows, mm -hmm. it's like I couldn't walk through the expo floor without having a million people coming up, which was nice and fun, but vendors and everyone was trying to sell their stuff to me so that I would talk about it on the website. And that, that was kind of a beating. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. And you were right there seeing a lot of that stuff happening. I know. It was a beating for me sometimes. I know. It's still a beating for me sometimes. I have to be honest, going to do this stuff, it's changed conventions for me a little bit, at least at national levels. Oh, for sure. Because now it's about obligation. And yeah. I tell people that at times I feel like I'm the painted donkey. Because we, we have handlers now. And when we go to these shows, we have people that book our time and say, okay, we're going to go over here and talk to these people and you need to meet these people. And, yeah. And I have a capacity for how much of that I'm willing to do. Yeah. Andrew's capacities. And it's actually greater than mine. <laughs> you hide it better than I do. Well, I know, but still. And they're like, oh, let's go do this. And I'm like, I'm done. I'm done. I'm not doing this anymore. Yeah. And it's not like I haven't done like 10 hours of it up to that point. My threshold is not like 15 minutes. It's like, Hey, we started at nine. It's now seven o'clock. And you're like, hey, let's go branch you past this guy at this place here until 11 o'clock. And I go, I'm done. I can't do this. I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. That part of it's not a lot of fun. No. And I'm more than happy to say, hey, Andrew is available. I'm going to go back to the hotel. Yeah. You know? but luckily, they don't want me for any of that. <laughs> no. Well, we're, that's changing. We're getting that changed. More from Life of an Architect in just a moment. Andrew and I are here with Bob LaForge, sales manager for Peterson, maker of pack clad architectural metal cladding systems. Bob has been with Peterson since 2018 
and has been in the construction industry since 1990. During his career, he has held multiple sales and management positions in the manufacturing and distribution segments of the industry. And today, Bob is going to be talking with us about Peterson's Precision Series Wall Panel Systems. Hi, Bob. Thank you for joining us today. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Bob. Good morning to you and Andrew both. Long time no see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we were able to meet up with you at the AIA conference just last week in Chicago. Yeah, how nice was it to be outside amongst the living again? It seems we've all missed being in front of people and talking to our design professionals for sure. It was nice to actually get out and talk to people. And it was nice to be able to walk around your booth and see everything you have to show. And specifically today, we're going to be talking about the Precision Series wall panel systems. And specifically, there's three families, the HWP, the Highline, and the Box Rib. And I've already stated my preference for the Box Rib. I love that profile. It's a great profile. It's a new profile for us. It's something that we came out with a few years ago, and it's continuing to grow each and every year. You know, one of the things that I'm not sure that everybody knows, because I didn't know it until one of the times we chatted maybe like a year ago, you can mix and match all these different wall panel systems to put your own individual stamp on the building. And I think that's really kind of a fun way to use the product. A lot of flexibility. Yeah, that was one of the neat things about when we designed that product to be in the same panel depth as some of our Precision Highline series panels. And we were actually seeing architects use both the box rib and the Highlines all on the same elevations now. Gives you a bunch of different aesthetic looks, shadow lines, and a lot of versatility into the product. Yeah, that's something that I think is really important to a lot of designers is getting that shadow line. And so being able to have such variety in the profiles and actually some of the depths, especially in the Highline system, is really nice because it helps give some depth to this panel system that actually gives it a lot of life. It's a great product. When you start throwing in all those shadow lines and then you're throwing in all the different colors and custom colors and wood grains and things of that nature, it's almost endless what someone with creativity can do with that product. Yeah, that color palette you guys have is quite extensive for those panels. I remember seeing that at the booth. How many is it overall? We're over 45 colors that are standard in two different substrates, steel and aluminum, plus a wood grain panel system or wood grain finish that we have. And we recently launched an ore, which is kind of like your natural metals. So I would bet you in all, we have probably over 55, 60 different standard options. Nice. That's amazing. One of the things that we talked a little bit in the booth about was that you can install these panels both vertically and horizontally. It actually adds like another layer, another arrow in your quiver from a design standpoint. You can also install it on a diagonal. We've had uh, a couple architects use some products and they, they actually made a diamond shape. What? Out of the Highline panel. And it came out really neat because it really gives you something that you've not seen before, which is everything on a diagonal. Wow. And I know that you guys do a lot of third-party testing on your products. Since they're talking about installing this panel at all these different angles, I guess there's some rigorous testing that goes in to make sure that the system works and functions the way it's designed to function. We do an awful lot of testing at Peterson and always have, and we'll continue to do that as we continue to grow the product line. But we also require a lot of shop drawings and things of that nature. So we make sure that if you guys can come up with the creativity to do something like that, we make sure that it works. We're not just into selling it so that we can say we've done it. Well, that's always a help. Yeah. You know, one of the things Andrew can talk about is he jumps into the BIM process early in his projects. And Peterson has an extensive BIM and CAD files library that's available and it's customer friendly. And I can tell you just from the people that I work with, having to go get that stuff makes it really great as opposed to us having to make it ourselves. 
Yeah, it's really important to be able to get those things early on and help drive the design, but also keep it in the realm of possibility, I think, in the beginning stages of a project and even in the end all the way through. But those upfront BIM materials are really nice to have. Yeah, we do a lot of that. We try to become user-friendly at Peterson. We try to give the end user and the design team all the tools that they need to successfully launch a project. You know, if it's not for your creativity pushing us, we can't come up with these great ideas and these great tools for you all, for sure. So, Bob, I want to thank you for joining us today and talking about PackClad and the Precision Series wall panel systems. Well, I want to thank you guys all so much for everything that you and the other design professionals do for us in pushing the envelope and making Peterson who we are today. Absolutely. And for those of you listening, find your local representative at pack-clad.com by clicking the rep locator at the top of the website or call 1-800-PAC-CLAD. All this information will be available in the show notes of today's episode, so you don't have to try and write it down. Thanks again, Bob. I really appreciate your time to speak with Andrew and I today. Yeah, thanks, Bob. It was truly a pleasure to meet both of you guys. Thank you for both the Life of the Architect podcast as well as everything else you guys do in the design field for us. We really do appreciate it. We're happy that we can be a part of the same team. All right, Bob, take care. Look forward to seeing you soon. Yeah, thank you very much. Y'all have a great day. Thank you. Okay, so that kind of gets into one of the questions I had on here is, how has the convention experience changed for you over the years? And, you know, when I thought about that question, there's an obvious answer, but then there's a not so obvious answer. And I'd like to start with the not so obvious answer. Okay. And that is, you had mentioned that now it's really a lot about the camaraderie. It's about seeing people that you know, and, you know, you don't see them every single day. They're not in the same town as you. You may not even be in the same type of market sector kind of thing, but you have a relationship with these people. You, you've seen them year after year at the convention. You know, we have, you know, I have a lot of people that are like that. Mm-hmm. I still remember like the first national convention I went to, I didn't know a single person. And I remember standing around just kind of looking, going, is there anybody out yeah. there? Yeah. So I don't have to stand here. Does anybody look like I could go talk to them? Is anybody else just yes. standing over by themselves? I, yeah, I, know. I felt stupid. I kind of hated it. Me too. Me too. And now I don't have that problem. Yeah. There's people that we don't get to see because we go, well, I can't. Like we were in Chicago. We've already been out all night with a group of people and we get text messages like at 930 going, hey, come to the baseball game with us. Yeah. You know what? And normally that would have been awesome. Maybe it would have been more awesome two hours earlier. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But that time of night, it's like, oh, my feet are killing me and, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. The thing I would say is that I think. You mentioned it being the beginning, like way back when, just going to go and not having anybody to talk to or knowing anybody. And even though we were in Chicago, walking in and I run into like five people before we even get halfway through the door. It's weird that it's such a small community, even at the national level, that I run into people that I know. Yeah. With no effort. Yeah. When I first went, I could walk past 2,000 people and not see anybody. But now it's like you can't even do that run into people just left and right that I haven't seen in a while and that kind of stuff. So it's kind of wild. But that's also fun. To me, that's the fun part of it is getting to see people and catch up a little bit and that kind of thing. That is, I think that's one of the very best parts of it. And on the Chicago convention that we just got back from, you know, one of our good friends, Amanda Eden, who we've known for years and years and has her own PR firm now, we kind of collaborated, even though I use that term very loosely because she did everything really. Lent the name. That's all it was. Yeah. And, you know, showed up and invited people and then talked to folks, you know, they need, we're like Walmart greeters is really what this is. And so we did this boat tour for three hours. 
So Andrew and I fly in on Wednesday. We basically have enough time to, I mean, Andrew left his house at 5 a.m. to drive to Austin to get on a flight to get to Chicago. I arrived two hours later. It takes us an hour to, to drive into the town. We check into our hotel, drop it off, go get something to eat. And then we have to go walk to the book tour. I mean, it was like, boom, 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 boom. We did get to kind of relax while we were eating, but not a lot. I mean, it was still, we looked down, we're like, oh, we got to get going. And then so we had to walk back yeah. to the hotel like really fast. Which is funny that we're like, oh, we got to relax while we ate yeah, food. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> while we <laughs> fed ourselves. Yes. That was our moment of relaxing. Yes. So we go on this boat tour. I don't know. There's 120, 130, 40, I don't know. A hundred some odd people on the boat. And we probably know at least a third of them in some capacity. Or maybe sure. it's fair to say. At least a third of them know us. Yeah. Because of the podcast, because of the website, there's a lot of people that know who we are, but we don't know who they are. Or you know them through their social media account. Like I know you as DMX750, <laughs> but yeah. I don't really know your name so much. But because of the nature of who we are and what we do and how we open up our lives up, people feel like they know us very well, which puts us at a disadvantage because people come up and go, hey. Bob, how you doing? I'm like, great. Who are you? You know, it's a little bit of that. Yeah. Yeah. But then that's when the fun part kicks in. You go, who are you? What do you do? Where are you from? That's cool. Tell me more about that. Yeah. And it's fun. And then imagine doing that 30 times over. And then that's the end of the boat tour. <laughs> yeah. Or more. More than 30. Yeah. Although it's yeah. fun. I mean, the the group of guys from Puerto Rico, they were really fun guys. They were fun and friendly. Get to know and meet and whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It was, that was good. But yeah, it is kind of weird sometimes when that happens and I'm like, am I supposed to know you? There's an instant flash of, have I met you before and I don't remember? Or is this just because of this? And you're like, hey, da, da, da. That split second of panic before I go, okay, no, I don't know you at all. Well, it's the- I'm about to get to know you. You know yeah, that thing. We're going to renew an in real life relationship is what's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Because like you don't remember, are, are you an Instagram or a Facebook messenger or LinkedIn or did you email me? And- you know, and honestly, I don't mean any offense by it. I generally wish I remembered everybody that I sent an email back and forth to, but I don't a lot of times. <laughs> yeah. So it's really fun when we did that. But then we have all the events that were kind of signed up to be a part of that were all taking place on the expo floor. And then that ends. And then you go out, you make new friends, or you meet up with old friends, you go out and have dinner and drinks and something like that. And then you get home too late or you wake up too early. Andrew and I go, and we actually share a room. Not all the time, sometimes. Yeah, not a lot of the times we do. Well, when we go for podcast only, we do. Like, yes. when we're just there for the same thing, we don't. Yeah, when we have work to do, but let's be honest, for the last couple of years, that's kind of what it's been. Yeah. What's funny is, you know, I snore. Andrew snores a little. It sounds like I snore worse than he does. <laughs> and I fall asleep in like three seconds. Yes. When I go to bed, I'm out like that. But if Andrew and I both go to bed at 11 o'clock, he'll sleep. Till nine, and I still get up at six o'clock. And I was worried about, he's a pretty sound sleeper. So I remember both the days, so Thursday morning and Friday morning, I'm up at six. I work off my iPad and I'm sending emails and I'm sketching stuff up and I'm getting about two hours worth of work in before I get up and take a shower and roll out. And Andrew wakes up at nine and it's like, okay, you know, yawn, stretch, let's do this, let's get at it. <laughs> and I have this like, I'm starving. I've been up for three hours. And Andrew literally is like, I just woke up. I don't want to eat. <laughs> yeah, but you went and got donuts for yourself that one morning, so it works out. I got donuts for both of us. Thank you very much. Well, yeah, I guess. I didn't need four platter-sized donuts. True. You know, those weren't even that good a donut, to be honest with you. 
I don't think they were worth what you paid for them, it seems. But hey, whatever. Well, maybe that's just what they cost in Chicago. Could be true. I bought four donuts and it was $17. Yeah. (laughs) And it was too plain and old-fashioned and a lemon poppy seed. It wasn't anything crazy. Yeah, it wasn't like awesome bacon stuffed. Maple maple bars. Maple syrup stuff. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) You're thinking regular donuts are like, ooh, you got an old-fashioned. That one's special. That's nine dollars. Exactly. <laughs> you know, it wasn't like that. I go, I just want like four regular donuts. They were pretty good size though. Yeah. They were a little bigger than normal. Yeah. They weren't light and fluffy to be sure. They're pretty dense. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so we get up and we run around and we do all this kind of stuff and we meet people and it's funny when I talk about labeled this the good, bad, and the crazy. Crazy is all these stories that let's be honest. Either I will tell them or I won't tell them. And that sounds obvious, but the best ones are all the ones I won't tell. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and there are stories of staying out till way later in the evenings than we should and that kind of stuff, and getting into trouble and doing all kinds of things. Yeah. I can imagine one of your favorite stories is from Denver when you actually met me when I was already at the craft beer place. I don't know. Maybe we were all there, but I bet that's in one of your top five stories of, at least for me, with convention. And we were walking home. <laughs> and we had a young lady with us. You were plastered. <laughs> <laughs> it was not a good one, but yeah. Oh, uh, you know what? You know, I didn't have that in my top ones, but not because it's not. Oh, really? Well, no, because like you were just so, you weren't part of it. You weren't part of the fun. You were the fun. This is true. I was the entertainment for that. Yeah. One. So, so Andrew was, I couldn't recreate it no. for the life of me, but I was just setting bear traps out that Andrew stepped in every single one of them. <laughs> oh, I know. It was like, that's how good of a friend you are. You just set me up to say stupid things and you were. Just lobbing them out there every time. And I was just like, oh, yeah. Well, yeah, but me and the young woman, we were in on this. Oh, I know. She was a good sport. Yeah. Yes. We knew her. It's not like we met her. We knew her. So we all knew each other well. Yeah, yeah, I know. And then Andrew would just have like these hot takes. And then we'd say, so, Andrew, what do you think about this? And then he would just go (laughs) crazy. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that was a lot of fun. It's not that uncommon that late nights take place at these events. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, and I'm not a young guy, and I am not a... I will say that's changed. The older I get, the earlier the nights are starting to become, for sure, for sure. Well, you know what, my... I'm trying to say that's not true for me, and it is, but it's because I'm... See, everything I'm going to say is, yeah, that's what we thought. I was going to say, it's just not as much fun, but it has a lot to do with... Like, I don't want to go to just some bar. I need, like, crazy stuff to be going on for it to hold my interest. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Your ADHD doesn't just hang with sitting and having conversations. Yeah. If it's just regular stuff, I go, all right, I've been doing this for like 12 hours. I think I've had enough. If a spotted elephant is not about to come by that we're going to try to ride, I'm out. Exactly. Right. I'm done. There's a lot of that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I need the adventure spontaneity part, I think, to keep me interested. And nowadays, all my friends are getting old and they're like, yeah, I'm not doing that. We're not going crazy. (laughs) Even though we did go to that bar with folks. I'll leave them out of it because maybe they don't want their company to know that they did this. <laughs> and it was like this thrash metal bar. <laughs> I mean, yeah. And we're all in there in our like suit yes. jackets and stuff. We stood out oh, yeah. like, yeah. oh, the sorest of thumbs. The biggest of gauges and ears. And everyone had like a million tattoos and spikes coming out of their face and thrash metal. And then here comes eight people. We're all wearing like jackets and collared shirts. It was so intense. And sport coats. And we're carrying our briefcases full of podcast equipment. Yeah. 
hey, to their credit, nobody cared. Nobody looked at us and go, why are these weirdos here? Yeah, no. No, nobody said anything. And I have a picture. I might post the picture. It was the most intense bathroom I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> yeah, it was a good one. It's the kind of bathroom that 100% there was a gun taped to the back of the tank at some point. <laughs> you know, and that hole in the wall was 100% caused by somebody's head going through it. I'm convinced yes. by this. But when I left, some guy walked by and he goes, man, you get the craziest mix of people at this place. Because they were, they everyone was, yeah, it was all over the place. Oh, yeah, when we were outside. Yeah, yeah, he did. He did say that. And the music they're playing was cracking me up. Yeah, it was a different flavor <laughs> for us, for sure. Yeah, one of the guys with, he's like, I'm in agony. I don't want to be here so bad. I hate all this. <laughs> I know. And I was just. But he was a champ. He stuck it out. He stuck it we out. We were there for like four hours or something, three hours. We were there for a while. I actually found it. It wasn't a ton of fun, but it was really entertaining. Yeah, it didn't bother me. It was fine. The only problem is I hate like, I don't hate. In groups like that, the conversations are really difficult. Oh, yeah. I talked to the person to my immediate right and to my immediate left, which was you and then this yeah. woman. That's what it was. Yeah, and then sometimes, because the music was loud, if you tried to join another conversation, you couldn't do it. So there was times where I found myself not involved in any conversation. I'm just sitting there kind of twiddling my thumbs going, do 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 Yeah, yeah, if the guy you're sitting to is talking to the guy next to him, and I'm talking to the woman next to me, you're like, all right, I'm just hanging out. <laughs> yep, I'm like, oh, okay. I will say that there was a moment we were at that place that everybody peer pressured Andrew into taking a shot, which- Yeah, that's not the problem. It was what we were taking a shot of. Yes, that's right. But the appeal of taking shots is, it's not shiny. It's not like something that's that much fun to do anymore, but- it doesn't bother me. I know, but it's not what I do. Like, I don't go, let's do shots. I know. This is true. Right. But I, I'm amused at the way it worked out. Go ahead and finish the story. Oh, everybody. So so we're in Chicago, right? And there's a really disgusting liquor that's a Chicago liquor, apparently. And it's Malort. Yes. And I don't know how it came up. I don't know. But everyone started talking about it. And then it was quickly sussed out that Andrew was the only one at the table that had never had Malort before. And he's like, I'm not doing it. Because all he's heard is how disgusting it is. Everyone's saying it's literally the grossest thing ever. And they're like, oh, what? You haven't had it? You got to do it. And he's like, pass. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And eventually, eventually they said, look, if we all do a shot of Malort, will you do it? And he goes, yeah, I'll do that. So I was like, will you do a shot of Malort? Will you do? <laughs> yeah. There was a negotiation to get all other seven people to do it. Oh, it's so gross. It's so gross, but, you know. It wasn't that gross. It didn't bother me that much. It, it was overhyped. Your taste buds are damaged. I mean, it wasn't great. No, it wasn't great, but it wasn't like it was manageable. I found it unpleasant. I would not want to do that oh, with any type of frequency. I wouldn't want to do it again. I'm just saying it wasn't like I thought I was going to die. Mm. It was the aftertaste that stuck around more than the actual taste that was bad. It also probably didn't hurt that those were like, I don't know, we took shots out of thimbles. Those were like half ounce or something. Yeah, you know what it looked like? Like if you buy like- <laughs> They look like communion yes. things, a little wine glass for communion. I was going to say like if you bought some Mucinex or something at the store and they give you the uh, little cap yeah. that's on the top of the medicine bottle. Yeah. That's what the that's what it was. It was a little- Yeah, they're really small plastic things. Cheap plastic little cup. Yeah, but I think that's probably just because of pandemic-y stuff. Maybe. Yeah, just throw them away instead of washing them. <laughs> yeah, the reason we got Guinness in a plastic cup yes. that first night yes. or whatever. Can you believe that? Oh. Yeah. yeah, that was not great. So the last thing that I have on this before we get to the fun part of the show, even though this is the fun part, was I think this is absolutely true. And I saved it to the end because it made all the difference. So when we talk about why do you go and why do you keep going and how's it changed and what makes it fun? 
And the truth is, is for me, Andrew makes it fun. If I didn't have Andrew to go to these conventions, I don't think that I would go to half of the ones that I did. And I basically wrote this love letter to Andrew. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if I would call it that, but okay. Well, that's, it came from the right place in my heart. (laughs) And I wrote it in such a way that Andrew took a lot of heat for. And it came across not how I meant it, but we could have changed the simple word. And basically it has to do with the importance of having a convention buddy. And I wrote an article in 2015 called Convention Wife. And it was a picture of Andrew and me. And I basically was saying that Andrew was my convention wife. But in fairness, I'm Andrew's convention wife in the model that I set it up. So I wasn't calling him something that wasn't like his perception of manliness. It was just like, it was your spouse. It's the person you hang out with. And that's just how I thought of it. But I probably should have said convention buddy or partner or something like that. Yeah, I got ribbed for that. I mean, by sort of the closer knit group of internet friends that we have, I got ribbed by that for about two years, I think. (laughs) Even when we'd show up at conventions, I'd get grief. And then not to mention just normal grief, everyday interactions. But yeah. I like it, though. If you go back and look at that, there's that picture of us with all those... The flight attendants? Flight attendants that are all dressed to the nine and stuff. And that was my idea. I know. Of course. I was the one I was like, hey, I want to do this. Look, they look so cool. Like 1970s, all European. They're all dressed up and everything. And I was like, hey, can we get a picture? And I was like... And you were like, oh, I'm going to get in. I was like, in. yeah, why wouldn't I? Yeah. Why wouldn't I? <laughs> you would do this. But you know what? If you hadn't had the courage to go, let's do this. Like, I want to do this. I wouldn't have done it. Yeah. It was like 15 women walking out in their blue, like Lufthansa uniforms or something. Yeah. I don't know if they're Swedish air or something. I don't remember either. And they're all got their hair pinned up, the whole thing. They're all looking great. I mean, it was an army of them. And the picture we posted doesn't even show like half of them. And Andrew's like, hey, can we mm-hmm. get can we yeah. get our pictures taken with you? <laughs> and they're like, sure, why not? And I remember you were like- They thought we were a little crazy though. They're like, "What? Well, okay, sure. But- well, they all have like nice smiles on their face. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know, I know. And then we stand there looking weird in that photo. <laughs> it was pretty <laughs> awkward. <laughs> but I remember putting on there, I talked about the importance of having this person that you go to the show with. And I go, my definition was a conventional wife is someone who hangs out with you during the convention. That's all it is. And when the schedules come out, we get on the phone and we say, what about this? You want to do this one? I want to do that one so that we can go to the same tours together. My morning, my my noons, my afternoons, my evenings, Andrew's there all the time. And it made all the difference in the world for me to do this. And it really just had to do with you don't have to go do things by yourself. That's a big, big part of it. But also on that list, I talk about things like you get to share your adventures with people whose company you enjoy. Yeah. I mean, for the most part, I think we have pretty, when we get silly, we have similar silliness to ourselves right like yeah we make each other laugh in the same kind of silly stuff for sure (laughs) yeah there's a really good picture of actually when we were in las vegas we went on that tour of that big the labor facility or something and we're standing there and you're whispering into my ear and i'm trying not to die laughing because you're telling me something goofy about whatever this tour is that's happening well well the funny thing about that is i'll confess this i'll give this to you andrew on this it's going down for posterity I will say stuff to Andrew that's unfiltered. The things that I would not say aloud <laughs> to other people. And I say them because I, I think it'll make him laugh. I'm trying to like amuse him. <laughs> but it's not something I would, I would ever say out loud. If you don't know me or whatever, I'll just kind of say some little remark. 
And so Andrew's knowledge of me is profound compared to people who actually do think they know me. Andrew's seen it all. Yeah. And people, and I remember, I think it was the last time we were in Chicago, Andrew one night was getting all feisty. He was kind of picking on me, which is fair because I pick on him, right? It goes back and forth. And he's picking on me and everyone's like, why are you being so mean to Borson? And he's like, what? <laughs> remember? And everyone started standing up for me. Like, yeah. why are you so, such a jerk? Yeah. And everybody started getting mad at me because I was being, because I was picking on you. Yes, I know. I remember. And I was like, relax, everybody. He's a jerk. You know, and I didn't like bail you out at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you didn't help me at all. I know. Yeah, yeah, I know. And that's the kind of stuff I get to I put know. up Well, with. you know, you get the... Then I apologize later when it's just two of us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when it's in private, so nobody hey, Look, knows. I just yeah. admitted uh-huh. it on the air for all, all 30 people that are going to listen to this episode. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I know, I know. Yeah. That reminds me, Chicago's some good stuff. I guess the last time we were in Chicago, too, is we were, got to go up to the top of the Tribune Tower, and this is one of those little adventures where we... Went up the elevator. We're not supposed to keep going up, and we climbed around some top yeah. office in some somewhere. And we got to cool spaces. We get to go see good things. Yeah. And then we went and had that weird burger at like two in the morning at the SNL Burger yeah. Joint. Yeah. Cheeseburger. 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 I've got my picture underneath it. That's one of my favorite pictures. Yeah. But the other thing truly nice about having that convention buddy is this is a serious one, and it's that the mental unload and sounding board of the day's activities. You hear inspirational people, and it's really easy to kind of get down on yourself sometimes. You're like, I'm not doing great stuff. That guy's doing great stuff. Like, <laughs> Yeah, they're killing it, and I'm terrible. Yeah, or like they say something, you're like, man, I don't get that. And somebody has a different kind of take or different perspective on it, and so we can talk about it. We're coming from kind of a similar position, so just the fact that Andrew hears something slightly different than I do, and it skews his perception of how that comment by the presenter was meant to be taken that I didn't take that way. And it works both ways. I'm sure that I'll hear something and Andrew will go, well, I didn't think of it that way. But that's an important part of this shared unloading of what's going on. Mm -hmm. And it's not the same as if I went and did something different with somebody new every single night, I feel like my experience would be diluted a little bit. I'd rather be you, me, and like, and we introduce a new variable. That's what we like to do. And then then that ends and we can still kind of chitter chatter about it. Yeah. Which is usually how it goes. Yeah, I think for the most part. And I'll post the link to that article because it's a good article. I did pull it up while we were talking. It was Swiss Air. That's who all the flight attendants were. It was Swiss Air. Mm. I wrote in here, I should have told the pilot to squat down in the back. <laughs> like It's all these women and then one pilot, one dude in the back. It's us pre-beards. And this was after Atlanta, actually. So that's why. Because we had such, uh, apparently, such times in Atlanta that you felt like... At that point, we'd only known it. Well, we'd known each other about five years, I guess. But Yeah, it's five years. Still. I have a lot of convention photos with Andrew, for sure. Well, so let's put a bow on the conventions. You know, if somebody comes up to me, and I have young people I work with, I say, you know what? You got to start going to conventions. They're really a lot of fun. And they'll morph and evolve in a road for you, like sometimes during the same convention. Mm-hmm. But I don't think I've been to a single convention that I went that was a waste of time, or I didn't enjoy myself, or I didn't come back slightly recharged. I don't know. People may not think this is true, but I don't actually get my batteries recharged by being around other people. I get my battery recharged being around like one or two people, not a whole bunch of people. And so conventions are fun, and that's maybe why I overemphasize the importance of having a convention buddy. But I think everybody needs to go to at least one convention a year. I think it's good for you. It's good for you to see that people think differently than you do. 
I think that it's worthwhile seeing that people are doing things that might be interesting or engaging to you. It's nice to meet people from different areas of the country and build relationships. What makes them special is you tend to only see those people at convention. Mm -hmm. So it becomes like this really kind of nice event that happens every year. Yeah, it's kind of reunion. And also, I think it's, it is a good way to recharge yourself. I always find that at every convention that I've been to, there's always at least one, whether it's a keynote speaker or it's a session or it's a tour or it's a conversation I have on a bus with somebody going to a tour besides you, that's not you. Right. That tends to just sort of reinvigorate me about the profession. And I think that's one of the biggest things for me in the beginning, we didn't talk about it, but that I learned after going to conventions for a while is that it just really reinvigorated me about the profession because for the first several years of my practice, you know, I was kind of alone. I felt alone anyway. I was doing all this work and it was just me and I was a small office and I didn't have this huge connection to others in the profession. And I got that at convention and it sort of built over time now. I mean, that I don't feel that way, I feel connected to a lot of people, but it all stemmed from conventions. It's a good thing to do to just go and like you say, see and feel and hear different stuff yeah. about the profession, but it, it always just tends to get me excited. Well, you know, that you just made a good point. I regret that we didn't get into that earlier. And it, if we think about all the small firms that are out there, the idea that you can get out of your bubble and meet these people and feel more plugged into your organization of people that do what you do is really important. It does make you feel good. In the beginning, it was always like, I'm not the only person that's struggling with this in their profession. You're not, you're not alone on an island. There's a whole lot of other people that are having the same problems or issues that you are, and it's it's good to commiserate sometimes. Yes. Everybody needs a release valve. Yeah. So that means we can segue gracefully to this episode's What's the Rank? <laughs> so today, Andrew doesn't have any idea. He has no idea what we're ranking. I'm a little nervous because you keep giggling about it too much. <laughs> All right. You ready? Yeah. Let me have it. All right, today we're going to rank the top three cosmetic surgeries. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We would never do that uh, Okay, and record like, it. What? <laughs> no, we're going to rank the top three animals at the zoo. Ooh. You're like, dang it, I wish I had time to think about it. Yeah. Hmm. I know. It's a hard one because you're kind of like, well, you know, some places, my zoo doesn't have like a hippo. Hmm. Right, so does hippo move up my list because I'm more excited to see a hippo, or does it move down because I'm getting excited about seeing my own I don't normally get to see? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Zoos though, just zoos. Just zoos. What else would I mean, what are you talking about? I mean I was thinking like aquarium, but zoos. No, no, zoos. Okay. All right. So you gotta give All me right. your number three. And I'm gonna give you some latitude, because I, I might take some latitude, but I might not. I don't know. We'll see. I don't know what kind of latitude I'm going to get. Well, I'll, I'll show you when I give you my number three. <laughs> okay. Um, and this is the hardest one. I, I mean, I kind of think I've got one and two. I'm trying to think of three. Do you want me to do my number three first? Yeah, go ahead. Do yours first. Okay. My number three is tigers. Hmm. And the latitude I was willing to extend to you is so that you don't go like, oh, number three, tiger, number two, lion, number one, cheetah. I got you. Yeah. I was willing to say big cats. If that's something you wanted to do, sure, it's sure. better to pick like of the big cats because I like lions too. I love lions. I yeah, love it when yeah. they're actually like, if you hear them roar, man, that's the best because mm. it travels really far and it's kind of it's super yeah, it's impressive. It's crazy. But just like of all of them, tigers. I think mm. tigers are awesome. Okay, that's my number three. 
I think I'm going to go with... Now you're wishing that little preparation. <laughs> yeah, because this is killing me. Alligators. Alligators. Alligators? Yeah, I like the alligators, the crocodiles, because usually there's sort of this above and below thing that you can do, sure. right? Where I like that, though. I kind of think that's really cool. So I'm going to go with alligators for number, right. number three. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Do you want to go to your number two since you should be going first? Sure. I'll do my number two now. Moving on to my number two, my number two would be gorillas. My number two is gorillas. Did we just become best friends? I know. <laughs> or orangutans. Like both of those two, I think it's the same. They're always entertaining to me, but gorillas probably are above that. I think gorillas are really cool. Yeah. I'm a fan of the gorilla. And those aren't everywhere either. So you kind of don't get to see them at every zoo. So Dallas Zoo has an amazing gorilla exhibit. Yeah. It's huge. Half the time you can't find them. That's how good it is. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I said that's the one thing I kind of don't like about some of them. It's like, oh, you can't find it because it's hidden or it's yeah. hiding somewhere. It's behind that giant rock. Instead of standing on top of it like they planned for them to do, I know. <laughs> they're sitting behind it. I know, but sometimes they'll come up on the glass and man, they put on a show. I know. Yeah, they'll like make like that. I make. I see you. They're like doing the gestures. You try to make them copy you and stuff. Like, man, they'll do some stuff. Yeah, yeah. All right. Okay. So we, number two, we both have gorillas. So I'm curious about your number because my number one is actually tigers. I like the tigers. My favorite. I can't remember when to one to zoo. Remember it is where they've got three or four and they're in a big giant habitat with the big lake and they're jumping and swimming and stuff. And, and then when they roar, it's pretty cool. So I like tigers. That's probably my number one. That's your number one. Yeah. My number one might surprise some people. There are probably a couple people out there who go, yeah, okay, I get it. The goats at the petting zoo? The ones with six horns, those are yeah, scary. Yeah, the little billy goats. Yeah. Yeah. My number one is spider monkeys. Ah, uh, yes. I loved the spider. I mean, there was nothing better than like those little monkeys swinging around like going crazy, going monkey. <laughs> you know? going, yeah, going nuts. Yeah, I sit there and go. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what it was, but like, man, when they start swinging and they're just going crazy and- it's like 100 miles an hour and stuff. It's so awesome. And then they're hanging upside down and they're using their tail and their arms. It's like, it's all the same. They're just like a blur. Yeah. As a child, you could have put me in front of the spider monkey enclosure and I, I would have happily watched them all day long. Yeah. I could have gone with gibbons. Those monkeys, they, they make like they, they're they like- They make the sound. Ooh, 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 like that. Like, I like those monkeys too, but sometimes yeah. they get on my nerves so much. Yeah. I would have made that sound, but I didn't want it on tape. That's fine. I don't know. <laughs> Nobody sees me making it, so I'm totally okay with it. <laughs> so it was actually hard for me not to go all monkey on this one. Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah. I felt like I needed to not fill in another monkey, so that's why I put tiger on there. Because, look, I like tigers. I mean, I'll yeah. tell you. If you don't like tigers, I don't know what's wrong with you. Yeah, I was thinking about putting monkeys as number three, but I just, I don't know. They're kind of, they're hit or miss for me, because sometimes they're boring and they just kind of sit there. You got to. Sometimes you got to work to get them riled up, and then they do stuff. And then I feel bad because, you know, they're swinging around everywhere, and they're stuck in a cage. Well, yeah. Well, now I feel bad. You reminded me they're stuck in a cage. <laughs> blah, blah. That's no good. Yeah. I'll always say the Dallas Zoo has a good spider monkey enclosure because- Oh, do they? It's big. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. They're really big. But I had a hard time not, again, since I live in Dallas, we have a really killer giraffe area. Mm-hmm. And like you can feed them lettuce. Feed them lettuce and stuff. It's really cool. For $40 a leaf of lettuce. <laughs> I mean, it's not that much. It seems like it's a lot. They're like $5 and you get like three romaine leaves of lettuce kind of thing. 
Yeah, I remember when I was a kid, you could ride the elephants. I don't even know if they let you do that anymore, but when I was a kid, you'd go to the zoo and you can actually ride an elephant. Yeah, I have a picture of me riding an elephant. And if I showed it to you, I look like a monkey on the back of that elephant. There's four of us. Oh, yeah. The three of them are sitting normal, and I'm like half hanging out the basket. making. (laughs) (laughs) Funny. And their hairs are like needles. I don't know if anyone's ever gotten close enough to like touch an elephant. They have like these little, like super stabby hairs all over their body. They're like needles. Yeah. I like elephants. I mean, I could have put them on the list. Yeah. I could have been number three. It is, I don't know, I feel like it's not any better, but I'm much more preferential to aquariums. Dude, I love aquariums, like big giant aquariums. Those are my favorite. Just something so soothing about that. That's why I was asking about aquariums. Well, maybe if we, with a little prep, we'll say the top three aquariums in the United States or something. If you go to, if you go to SketchUp, Vancouver's got a pretty cool aquarium. So does Atlanta, actually. Really nice aquarium. All right. Shout out Vancouver, BC Aquarium. Okay. Well, there you go. I think we've been at it long enough, and I think we're at a decent stopping point. Thank you for being with us today for episode 104, Conventions, the Best and Worst of Times. Special thanks to our sponsor, Peterson, manufacturers of pack-clad architectural metal cladding systems. Peterson's products include wall and roof systems in both steel and aluminum and are available nationwide in 46 standard Kynar-based PVDF colors. Visit pack-clad.com to learn more. In addition, special thanks to our media partners, Building Design and Construction, for their ongoing support of the Life of an Architect podcast. Want to get every new episode automatically downloaded? Make sure to hit that follow or subscribe button on your podcast player of choice so you can get alerted every time we publish a brilliant new episode. If you got a few moments and feel motivated, we would appreciate a review and hopefully a five-star What Happens in Chicago Stays in Chicago until we talk about it on the podcast rating. To get even more content, head over to lifeofanarchitect.com for blog posts, links, and info about this illuminating episode and all the website has to offer. You can even add your own voice and join the conversation. Thanks so much for tuning in. Take it easy, everybody. Cheers.